Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, I understand uh, today we're going to be talking about the topic that you were um, asked about. Yeah, people said, you know, how do you find networks for family? If you're a family of kids with disabilities, where do you go? Um, where's your go-to place? Um, and I thought, wow, that, that's interesting because I, I'll start with a really quick short story here. It was very interesting when Josh was diagnosed with Tourette. There just wasn't a lot. I, I found the Tourette Syndrome Association, which has been a huge staple for me, but I honestly spent a lot of time in the area I lived in at the time with parents of kids with autism because there were so many similar tendencies. So my first go to always is another parent who has a kid with the same diagnosis, but I also think national networks are really good. What about you? What are some thoughts? Well, as, as you know, 16 years ago now, um, uh, a nephew of mine was born um, who has cerebral palsy. And so uh, just like most people, you know, you get online and you Google and you start looking for the national organizations that serve kids and the local organizations that serve kids. And luckily um, UCP United Cerebral Palsy is a, is a, a big organization a very reputable organization. And we have a really strong um, local, UCP here in Central Florida. So, so the obvious first step is to reach out based on specific um, disability and specific needs of the, of the child or the family. But, um, but beyond that, you know, once just reaching out isn't, you know, that's not the whole story. It's really kind of investigating, meeting the people. Um, I think it's really hard for parents in particular. Um, you know, you mentioned it from a parent angle. It's hard for parents sometimes to take that first step, but I think what they'll find is there's a really welcoming group of people on the other side of that, you know, that name and people who are completely understand the, the experiences of these families. So I do think that the first, the first step, you know, and the scariest step probably is picking up the phone, just as you said that you did. So um, certainly recommend UCP. I've also worked, um, you know, with my local Easter seals here. Uh, and I've enjoyed just learning what all of these national um, organizations that have local branches, what, what they do. And if you live in a smaller area and there might not be a local organization that, that serves uh, kids with specific needs, I think this, this whole COVID experience has taught us that there's a lot of ways to connect virtually as well. So you mentioned parent groups. I would be looking for, for virtual parent groups right now so that I can at least start making some initial connections. But I think there's also, of course, beyond the personal side, there's the, the professional organizations and those things that we do as, as teachers. So, so Lisa, what, what, what you're thinking about connecting with some professional organizations? Yeah, you know, I think too, as teachers, the, the first go-to always is another teacher with experience. But do remember, you know, one kid with autism is one kid with autism. One kid with Tourette's or cerebral palsy is one kid with Tourette's or cerebral palsy. And I think we're really big on, you know, don't make assumptions. Yet I do think there's something to be learned from somebody who's had experience in that pathway. So I think my first go-to for teachers would be colleagues who say, yeah, I've had some experience in there. Let me share with you what I learned worked in my classroom, in my world. And then beyond that, of course, national 
national organizations. And, you know, whatever person is listening to this and we didn't mention your national organization, there's only about 4 million. That could be like, what, a 12-hour podcast, Becky, if we listed every organization out there. We're just highlighting some that is in our personal bailiwick. But I know we both have been very active. I've been active enough to be a pioneer, um, which just means I've been there a long time uh, with the Council for Exceptional Children. And yet I find it's an amazing organization for, as an educator, it's probably not my first go-to for, for as a parent. And it doesn't mean they don't have great resources, but I think they're very much an educational training. I also know we both uh, find great value in the uh, American Associations of College for Teacher Ed, uh, AACTE. So again, I would go to their website, I would go to their blogs, I would go to their forums, and I would reach out. If somebody on a blog says, you know, hey, I have a kid who did this, and someone says, well, here's what I did, I would reach out to the here's what I did person and say, hey, could you tell me more? Better yet, as you mentioned, why couldn't I come and virtually visit your classroom? Could I see what you've set up in your class? Can I see the structure of your room um, that you have several kids with sensory needs? So again, I can learn. And better than that, families, you could do the same. If you really are on a blog and you see a teacher with a great idea, hey, could I connect my teacher to you? And again, empowering ourselves, that's what I think these agencies allow us to do. You've had a lot of um, work with the Council for Exceptional Children. I know they're yet, I can't award kind of a highlight for you each year. Well, <clears throat> yes, the Council for Exceptional Children, for educators, it really should be the first, the first step and the first stop, I think, so that we can start viewing our field on this national level. And I really recommend people um, sign up for the Smart Brief so that the Smart Brief is automatically emailed uh, out and it just it, it includes headlines from across the country on things that are happening. It's very readable, uh, it's very immediate, and you get a really broad um, scope of what's happening nationally in our in our profession, but the local levels of of the Council for Exceptional Children, um, you know, there's there's state and then even district level CEC organizations, and I think that that's how you can stay connected, you know, within your state and your community. Uh, the Yes I Can Awards <clears throat> are a specific part of the Council for Exceptional Children, and I've been lucky enough to chair that committee for the last several years, and we. We seek uh, nominations of, of students across the country who have achieved in one of uh, several categories, including academics, transition, advocacy. Um, so looking through the nominees and the nominations and reading about what all the young people across the country with disabilities are doing and have achieved, and these are kids of a wide range of levels. That's the kind of thing that brings me a lot of gratification in my profession is being reminded by being in this, this close group of, of, of educators, just being reminded of the great things that are happening. And I think it's important because this is such a, it's, it's a tough field. It can be draining, draining on a lot of levels. So connecting with people who are like-minded, who share your passion, really can be energizing. Yeah, you know, and I'm going to piggyback on that kind of maybe even more national spread. And then I want to go back to a couple of really grassroots things to think about, too. But is nationally, remember, the U.S. Department of Education Office of Special Ed Programs has national centers. And they have national centers for intervention supports. They have national centers for inclusive practices. They have national centers for positive behavioral supports, for universal design for learning. Those are some not only great resources for teachers, but as parents, if you're working with your child on Zoom at home and you're a little overwhelmed, that might be a great place to say, what are some resources that are out there? 
Um, and I think we often think that, you know, we can only do a paid organization, but sometimes that. And then grassroots wise, um, my son is an ambassador for the Tourette Syndrome Association and ambassadors are willing to talk to other kids with Tourette's. I think the best person to connect to as a parent and as a, a young child with a disability is somebody who's already successful. Somebody who, you know, if your child wants to be an airplane pilot, find somebody who's been an airline pilot with the same disability. Um, if your child wants to work at, uh, you know, a local uh, community-based organization, find somebody there that is doing that. And I think we forget that sometimes national organizations are great, but sometimes in our own community. And I know we've done a lot of work with the Down Syndrome Foundation of Florida, which is really a grassroots uh, group that started in Central Florida, as well as the Down Syndrome Association, which is a national organization. So again, based on the disability, there's always a small group of people. And again, as you said, they're not just happy to talk to you when parents call me. I'm like, oh, and don't do that or try this. Here's what, you know, because again, we want to make the world as parents that have gone through it ourselves better for those parents that are coming after us. Because man, I learned a lot. And if I ever met a parent that said they had a tell with Tourette's that had a job and was married, I spent an hour asking them everything I could. What did they do in high school? What kind of job did they have? What kind of, so again, that's, that's how I chose to learn. Well, and some of those some of those local organizations are things even that 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 our our own children and and local kids can connect with um, things like best buddies that um, again specializes in a particular um, uh, topic in special ed. Uh, however, the idea and getting young people involved in working with with their peers who have intellectual disabilities on their high school campuses does you know, it creates a new understanding by those young people. And they're the ones who then go out and create new opportunities as they graduate. So, so even looking into things that, that programs like Best Buddies are doing, and, and if Best Buddies isn't your thing, but the concept of it is good, looking at ways that, you know, we can create our own organizations to support kids and to support young people learning and understanding about differences. Again, we're, we're only here for so long. You know, we've got the next generation to start building these kind of organizations that really will support kids for a lifetime. Yeah. And I think I'm going to kind of wrap my thoughts up in a couple of areas. And one is uh, Special Olympics. Uh, again, another great place. And I love the integrated um, version of the Special Olympics where your neurotypical um, child can be hanging out. So again, if you've got three children and one has a disability and the other two do not, get them all involved in Special Olympics. And this new integrated form allows this balance of neurodiversity on teams, really fabulous. And I know we're slow to open things up, but summer camps, summer camps are high on the list for opening up right now. And think about that, we have many, many disability camps in the summer, uh, yet they're always looking for someone to volunteer. So again, um, as a person uh, that's a sibling of somebody with a disability, that shaped me in a totally different way of being around others. And I think we sometimes think, oh, I have to help child A because they have a disability, but child B can benefit from these organizations too by being a volunteer, a member, going to events with you, helping organize events. And I think that's, that's what we should be thinking about, both local, state, and national for both resources, but experiences are probably in your hometown. Well, I, as my sister uh, will always say when, when it comes to advocacy, um, she always says, step one is pick up the phone, pick up the phone, pick up the phone. And I, if you're trying to get connected somewhere locally, Google it and pick up the phone. If you are looking career-wise at where can I find you know, like-minded people to share ideas with, 
start with some of our national organizations like CEC. And Lisa, you kind of rattled through some specifics um, earlier, but why don't we leave with if, if you could give us some specific organizations that those listeners could actually Google right now. Yeah, so I think that Council for Exceptional Children, um, CAST, CAST.org, has some great universal design for learning. Uh, I would be looking at the National Center for Inclusion. And then I would certainly Google whatever disability, because there will be an organization, whether it's small or large. Uh, so for me, it was the Tourette Syndrome Association and the National Council for Learning Disabilities. Those are two organizations that are my go-to um, all the time. All right, well, thank you for joining us today. And uh, if you have any other questions, please send us a tweet at Access Practical.